0: Before we begin, I'd like to recommend the Hunter Conservationist podcast. It's a show that offers nuanced discussions about wildlife science, conservation, and responsible hunting in Canada. This podcast shares similar themes, so if you enjoy my show, I'm confident you'll also appreciate the Hunter Conservationist podcast. You can find it on the same platform you're currently using for listening. In addition, you can visit thehunterconservationist.com or simply click on the link in the show notes. You're about to listen to an episode where we talk about hunting, so you might be interested in my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. To get it, go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. From this guide, you will learn how to get a deer hunting license, obtain a firearm certificate, and get permission to hunt deer on a chosen piece of land. Everything is explained in simple language and in easy-to-follow steps. Get my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. Simply go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. This is episode 161. Is bow hunting inhumane? Is killing an animal with an arrow an inhumane thing to do? Well, there's a lot of folks who insist the answer is yes. And that is somewhat reflected in the regulations, as hunting with archery tackle is illegal in most of Europe. And I am not surprised if those opinions are expressed by, let's say, a veterinary professional with particular interest in animal welfare, who on top of that had very little, if none, experience and exposure to bow hunting. But when those opinions are expressed by hunters, I'm almost bothered, especially if those hunters had also no exposure, no real world exposure to bow hunting. And in a second part of this podcast, you will hear a story about a hardcore old European hunter who changed his mind about bow hunting once he took part and participated in a hunt with archery tackle. So that's in the second part of this uh, podcast. But I think it is my role here in this podcast to bringing you different opinions, different points of view. And this is uh, probably third or fourth episode where we're going to talk about bow hunting. So today we are joined by an expert bow hunter, Jim Clark. Jim hunts with archery tackle close to four decades. He hunts with a compound bow, with a recurve bow, he hunted with a crossbow, and obviously he hunted with a rifle. So his opinions and his views, I think, they are very well thought out. And he has a wealth of experience and he's sharing that with us today. And as usual in those episodes, I'll I'll push him a little bit, asking him questions about hunting with archery tackle and bow hunting that might be uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, you got to hear his answers. Um, In the episode, we also discuss the development and progress in um, technology of archery tackle and how this might or might not impact the humaneness of an endeavor. Uh, And also Jim will share some of his hunting stories. So overall, that was a very enjoyable episode to record. And I hope you will learn a thing or two about bow hunting and hunting with archery tackle. And just to be clear, if you are against bow hunting or you think it is an inhumane thing to do, I'm not expecting you to change your mind after listening to this episode, but maybe, just maybe, on the surface of your strong opinion, little crack appears. And if that happens, my job is done. This is what we do in this podcast. We discuss issues related to environment and human-wildlife interactions that are sometimes controversial, maybe not clear-cut. And the role of the podcast is to present different angles and different opinions on those aspects so this is one of those episodes and as always before I let you enjoy this episode of the podcast just a reminder that if you're interested in the subjects we're discussing here and you want to dive deeper in those subjects you should subscribe to my newsletter it's called conservation and science newsletter the link is obviously in the description of the show And that newsletter comes together with podcast episodes and it usually contains some other reading and other materials that will allow you to dive deeper into the subjects we discuss on the podcast. And also you'll get the notifications there about live events, whether uh, events where I'm speaking live or maybe I'm just attending, participating. So if it's something that interests you. You can join the event, you can go to the event, and if you see me there, uh, come up and say hello. So uh, that's it for the introduction. And so now ladies and gentlemen, Jim Clark and hunting with Archery Tackle. Jim, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to talk with you.
1: Thank you, Tommy. I really appreciate it. Been looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yes. And as uh, listeners to this podcast know, and as you already know as well, I, um, I'm i really keen uh, to talk about bow hunting anytime I can, because bow hunting is just not a thing in Europe. And I, I hope that maybe if there's going to be like one or two people who starts, you know, um, pushing right buttons to get the bow hunting going in Europe in in the to the greater extent because there are some places in France, I think that in Spain there are some provinces where you can bow hunt. But in general you cannot bow hunting where I am in Ireland it's a no-no in the UK as well where the probably majority of the listeners are. So I'm I'm you know I'm very keen to talk about it. And we we have a lot to talk. So before we start uh, Jim, could you give us like a like a brief introduction, uh, who you are, what you do, and how you got started uh, in bow hunting?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Tommy. So my name is Jim Clark, and I grew up in Chicago, Illinois, so in a city, fairly good sized city, and uh, since a young age, I always loved the outdoors, just, it was just, one of those things where I was always taking my fishing rod and going out of the local pond and things of that nature. And and once a year my dad would take us on a on a pheasant hunting trip. So I got exposed to hunting a little bit through my father and his business. Uh, but he was not a passionate big game hunter nor a bow hunter. But I just fell in love with the with the with the whole lifestyle of of pursuing game. And the tremendous challenge and fulfillment that I got out of that, even even though I started small time. And so as I got older, I started working in a sporting goods store and was introduced, the, the sporting goods store sold bows. And I was like, wow, that is cool. And I'd shot the little bows when I was a kid, right? But never a real bow. And so I started shooting at that store and I fell in love with archery and I got introduced to the concept of bow hunting for deer which was much easier to get a tag, right? So so the reason I started bow hunting was I, I had never gun hunted up to that point, um, but there was a lot of areas that had public ground that you could bow hunt only where I grew up outside of Chicago, Illinois. They didn't allow gun hunting, just bow hunting. So I'm like, well, this is perfect for me. I can, I can learn a new sport that's pursuing big game, which I thought was the sport of kings and still believe that, and I started, and I didn't really know what I was doing. So I did a lot of reading, and I didn't really have any mentors at the time. So I just started figuring it out with another friend of mine. So that's how I got started in bow hunting, and I've pursued it my whole life from from that kind of from that starting point.
0: So you're you're never you never started like with a rifle and then graduated to the bow. You just started straight up. Bow was oh. the first type of hunting
1: you you started. I, I did, and that's a little unusual. Middle. Yeah based on all the friends that I now know that bow hunt, a lot of them started um, in different ways, mainly started gun hunting and then wanted more of a challenge in bow hunting. But I started bow hunting because it was the it was the only opportunity that I had. And uh, and, and it was very accessible, right? In many, state, in many areas in the United States, bow season starts way earlier than rifle season. It's three, in some cases, four months long, whereas rifle season or even uh, primitive weapon season is very short. So it opened up a lot of opportunity over uh, with longer seasons and created a great challenge, right? Because bow hunting is certainly very challenging, particularly with the, the, uh, ta- uh, the, the equipment that we had 35 years ago when I started. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I fell in love with it. And since then, I've done s- more gun hunting and so on, but I've shot and harvested many more animals with a bow than a gun.
0: What is for you the main difference between bow hunting and hunting with a rifle?
1: If I was to boil it down to a, to a word, it was its intimacy, meaning the ability to be very intimate with the animal because they're very close, the requirement to get very intimate about your knowledge of their movements, where they bed, where they feed. You know, you, you have to really study the movements of the animals to put yourself in position between where they are and where they're going. Whereas with a rifle, you can sit on an opposite hillside and know a general area that's good for for deer or elk or whatever it may be, uh, and see animals in a distance. And today shoot them at six hundred yards. So that has its own challenge and own fulfillment. I'm not knocking that, but I love the intimacy of bow hunting.
0: Is there is there going like a a little bit of a rivalry between the bow
1: hunters and 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 rifle hunters? It's a it's an interesting question. I would say. Uh, there is a bit, but, um, rifle hunters know they have a tremendous advantage, right? But their seasons are typically late in the season, uh, after the rut in most states is when you can gun hunt. So the rifle hunters are, sometimes are a little bit, uh, miffed that the archery guys get to hunt during the peak of, of the mating season of the rut, which is when the animals are most vulnerable. So there's a little bit of that, um, but bow hunters have the added challenge. So, so in my years of experience, I've never run into like a real rift between gun and bow. Uh, at least in the circles I travel, I know it exists, but I haven't haven't really run into that. Uh, I respect rifle hunters, uh, and I feel like they they respect what what I do as a bow hunter. Um, but I have heard stories of, of of friction there for sure. But I don't really see a need for it. We're all there to enjoy the same thing. We just do it in our own way
0: yeah and, and i and i think that also kind of like a uh, separation of seasons is uh y- you know helping that you because i presume it 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 wouldn't work if the season like is there or maybe that's a question is there situations that you can hunt the animals both with the rifle or with the bow
1: there is in most in most states in the us you can legally hunt deer during gun season with a bow okay. provided you're following all the regulations of a gun hunter so if they require blaze orange you have to be wearing blaze orange if they require an extra tag you have to have that extra tag but you can l- legally bow hunt during gun season uh, now that has has its obvious disadvantages however but if you're on private ground that you have exclusive rights to hunt and there's guys gun hunting all around and you want to have it harvest an animal with a bow? That's actually not a bad time because they're a lot of times moving those animals onto your property. <laughs> that's true. That's so, true. That's so yeah, a, I've, I've done, I've done, and I've done some of that, and it can be effective. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about the you know the safety measures because you need to get so much closer to the animal, and uh, you know I can I can almost imagine you're just uh, you know trying uh, to, to take a shot at the animal, and then someone. Two hundred yards. Boom. <laughs> it can happen.
1: It can happen. And you mentioned safety. That's paramount. Like when you're bow hunting during gun season, you have to uh be very aware. And yet in, in most states, you're I would always wear blaze orange during gun season, full stop, whether it's required or not, absolutely, because of that safety reason. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Before we uh jump into a little bit further into the details of bow hunting, uh I gotta ask you also about crossbow so that it that counts as a archery equipment yes and the you you can elaborate now whether there's a separate season for um for a crossbow probably depends on the state or is it like archery equipment is all encompassing uh, you know so if you if you could give us a little bit of a um insight on this uh, keeping in mind that you know most of the listeners of this podcast never hunted with a bow, never hunted with a crossbow, and might not even be fully aware of what are the differences uh, in effectiveness and so on.
1: Okay, great. It's a really interesting question, and that is a hot button in many many circles. But just to boil it down, when you're shooting a bow, whether it's a traditional recurve or longbow, where you don't have a sight on it and a release, or you're shooting a compound bow, which often has a sight and a release, so it's a little bit easier to be accurate at a distance... You still have limitations relative to the, you still have to draw the bow back, hold it back, keep it on target, and make a clean release uh, with an unmagnified uh, sight pin if you're cutting with a compound bow. So there are limits to you know the, the, the range and accuracy and so on. With a crossbow, the primary distinction is it's more like a rifle in that once you cock it and put the bolt in, it stays cocked. And the arrow, which is called a a bolt in a crossbow, is much smaller. It's shorter and heavy. So it travels extremely fast and flies extremely uh, flat. So you're much more accurate out to 70, 80 yards with a crossbow than you would ever be with a compound. And when you get the animal in close, you don't have to draw back the crossbow. It's already cocked like a rifle. So you just point and shoot, and you can put a scope on a crossbow. So it's a crossbow is has I think more similarities to a rifle than it does a bow relative to the advantages you obtain by always having it cocked and ready to shoot. It has a safety on it and you can put a scope on it. The the similarities are they both use a a bended you know a bended bow limb to propel the arrow. That's about the only similarities. So I'll just stop there. From a just the difference standpoint does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously because of that also the range you can shoot an animal is way uh longer or higher or you can you can shoot an animal for a greater distance with a crossbow I presume.
1: You 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 can. I mean obviously there's people out there that can shoot a compound bow very accurately, particularly out west where you're we're hunting big country, longer distances, they'll shoot maybe even out to 40, 50, even 60 yards, which is really long with a bow but with a crossbow. But that takes a high degree of skill. Yeah. Someone someone who's never shot a crossbow, have you ever shot a crossbow in your life? No, I did not. If you've picked a, if you picked up a crossbow today, if I handed you handed you one that was sighted in and you went to shoot it, you could shoot it very accurately out to 70-80 yards in your very first try. So imagine that it takes a way more practice and expertise to accurately shoot a bow out to say 60 yards than with a crossbow, who you could just pick it up and shoot it which gives a lot of people confidence to take a lot longer shots maybe than they're capable different different story but that's the that's the difference primarily
0: is it then causing the again tension between the like a classical let's call them bow hunters and and crossbow because it's like okay we have this season for bow hunting and it requires skill and all those things and all that then you know someone shows up like you said with a crossbow first time in their hands, and they have all the, you know, advantages.
1: Let's say of the early archery season, and and so on. That that you're absolutely right. There is, there is, tension and friction there, and it really gets down to the um the advantages of the equipment that you that you reference. In other words, people who bow hunt. At least speaking for myself, I chose to bow hunt because I love the challenge and the intimacy of getting closer to the deer and part of the challenge is the requirement to really practice shooting your bow and really get good at it. and i i shot traditional i shot recurve for first 25 30 years of of my hunting so 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 i really um actually i started with a compound bow shot a few deer with it and i'm like i want something else and then i went to a recurve and hunted with a recurve traditional bow for about 30 years i think and um it was by choice, but it's because I enjoyed the challenge and the intimacy and the, the the requirement to practice and so on. And so most folks that bow hunt feel like bow hunting with the longer seasons should be limited to more, you know, archery, traditional archery equipment because you're giving a long, you know, longer opportunity to hunt because you have a more, a bigger challenge with the equipment. Once you enter crossbows into that equation, right, there is some friction because it's like, look, we're having someone who's hunting with a crossbow has the advantage of a rifle hunting in a a traditional equipment season and that's really where the friction is what i can say is in the united states and i don't know the exact numbers i haven't studied the numbers but there are a lot of states where archery in 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 archery season you can only hunt with a compound uh, or a, a traditional bow like a longbow or recurve crossbows are not allowed the only time they would be allowed is if you had a disability and you applied for a permit and you got granted a permit based on some kind of a doctor's you know disability note and it has to be approved by the state so so they're 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 not allowed in bow season uh, they are allowed in what's called I think it's called uh, there's a primitive weapon season in a lot of states which is primarily uh, muzzle loaders and oftentimes crossbows are allowed in muzzle loader season oh because they're actually more akin to that if you think about the effective range of a muzzleloader being let's say I should say a traditional muzzleloader uh out to about 100 yards well that, you know that's kind of with a crossbow you're you're good out to nearly there. So in other states for example Ohio or Kansas crossbows are allowed in bow season as a traditional weapon. And there is some friction there because of what I mentioned earlier it's like hey you're you're coming in and you're not having to, you're not being held to the same standard of scouting and getting close to the animal and practicing and so on and so forth. You can come in and shoot a deer at 50, 60 yards with a crossbow uh, fairly easily. And so that's the distinction. And there is some friction there and it's state by state. It's been a battle between the traditional archers and the guys that Oftentimes, the manufacturers that want it legalized in the state because they're going to sell a lot more crossbows if it's legal during bow season. You know the economics of that. So, of course, that's where the tension. That's where the tension is. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks for for laying that out for us, Jim. Um, and you mentioned like an interesting thing that I that I want one more in that in kind of like a equipment uh, front. And this is something we mentioned uh, briefly before we started recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a t- Traditional equipment, um, skill required. Uh, traditional bow, compound bow. But then, when you look at the compound bow, well, it's nothing but traditional. You have a, you know, space age materials, and you have a pre- precision machining and 3D printing and all the technology. I would I would argue that even if I go and buy a new rifle, like a Tikka or whatever, new rifle, decent rifle it's actually technologically very old and obsolete compared to when i go and buy a new compound bow which is all the latest it's, so i'm curious like what's your what's your view what's your comments maybe on this because this is this is one of the things that i often hear like oh this is like traditional like uh, no traditional at all
1: yes it's uh having shot both compounds and uh traditional recurves and, and shot animals with both uh i have mixed feelings on it with respect to a a traditional bow recurver or a long bow, when you pull a 65 pound bow back you're holding 65 pounds so you can't hold it for long right it's you got to pull back and shoot and you're shooting instinctively meaning no sights uh when you are with a compound, of course, the, we talked about the advantage of being you, you pull it back and, and there's a release. So if you're pulling back 65, maybe you're only holding 30, 35 in full draw. So you can hold it for longer, let the animal get close, right? And then you have a, oftentimes a trigger release. So you can hold it. And when you release, you're not you know, relying on your fingers doing the work. You're just pulling a trigger. So you get a good, clean release more frequently. So those advances are are, 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 are normal and have you know evolved. And it, on the one hand, you know i'm in favor of anything that helps people make a clean humane kill shot like to me that's the most important thing respecting the animal and making a good clean humane shot and so things like sight pins and releases on a compound bow enable the average hunter to more accurately place a shot on an animal and have a humane kill so there we, so having said that when you start getting to advancements like um uh, bow sights that have uh, magnification, or bow sights that have lighted pins and magnification, uh, and the ability to turn a dial to adjust to you know twenty seven yards or thirty six yards, or bow sights that have integrated range finders in them.
0: Yeah, I heard that. That's the that's the latest, right? With a bow, bow sight with
1: a range finder. <laughs> okay, so there you go. So so then you, then you say, well, wow, those really make it much easier for someone to effectively range an animal, dial in their sight and make a clean shot at further distances. Jim, how do you feel about that? Well, again, I, I just said anything that helps an archer make a clean, humane shot more consistently is a good thing. But And those elements I just discussed, those advancements certainly do that, right? Yeah. But at what point does the advancement in technology start to reduce the level of challenge that's required to bow hunt uh, and bringing a lot of folks into the sport that just want to have it. They just want to hunt deer more frequently and make it easy.
0: You and by the way, you can make the same argument about the crossbow, right? It's, Absolutely. It, it it makes you you know more more proficient, and it makes you uh, you know more likely to have a quick quick and humane kill on the
1: animal. So it's a, it's interesting. Let me uh, just a quick story on that because I have some experience with that. Um, I had never shot a crossbow. Till last year, and last spring, I was involved in a in a hunting accident where i got I got uh, shot during turkey season in my right side of my face, and it put my right eye on. Yeah, Oh, jeez. Yeah, it happens. It's a really unfortunate. But the but the point is, uh, they were able to restore some vision in my right eye, but not to the point where I had any level of acuity. You know, out of it. it's more like looking through a bottom of a Coke bottle. So uh, I'm coming up to bow season. And I don't have the time to learn how to shoot left-handed, right? And I don't want to miss O.C. This is one of my greatest passions in life. Uh, and I'm really conflicted. I'm like, well, am I going to, and we were going to Kansas. I'm like, am I just going to go to Kansas um, and help with my brother-in-law, just hang out with him? Or am I going to hunt? But I can't bow hunt. I can't shoot righty, but I can't learn left-handed and be accurate enough in the next six weeks. So I'm in that conundrum. How do I get accurate and make a good, humane, clean kill? And so- I ended up borrowing a crossbow. Now, borrowing a weapon goes against my grain generally for hunting, right? Like you got to get a, you know, you got to get a, a weapon, you got to get proficient at it. But I felt like if I could be proficient at it and limit my range, I could still enjoy the, con- you know, go enjoy my bow hunt, right? So went to Kansas, had a had a had a borrowed bow. I shot it a couple of days beforehand, and when I shot it righty. It was iffy because of my vision, so I had to shoot it lefty because my left eye is was is better. And I got to where I could just nail a target at 30 yards with a crossbow. Like I'm talking, like this. In two days, I maybe shot 30 arrows, 30 bolts, and I am just absolutely knocking the you know the center out of the target. So I'm like, I'm comfortable, you know, out to, and I shot it out to 50. I'm like, I'm comfortable out to 50, but I'm I've never shot a deer with my bow in all the years over 25 yards. all the deer I shot, probably 45, 50 deer, never shot one over 25 yards because I like to get them in close. So the moral of the story is I go out hunting and uh, we're three days into the hunt and I have an opportunity to shoot a really nice buck and I can't get him any closer than 50 yards. And he's out in the middle of a field and it's in the wide open and he's with a doe. He's very, he's distracted. It's the perfect situation. I can't get him any closer. I've tried, I've rattled he's not getting any closer he's gonna move off and i ranged him and he was 50 and i shot him left-handed offhand i no rest just left-handed 50 yards shot him right in the heart he went 50 yards and died and and i was shocked but i felt so confident making that shot because when i put that that weapon on him and it was a scoped crossbow four i think it was a two power scope maybe uh, I put it right on his bread basket. I pulled the trigger. I just knew I was going to make a clean shot, so I didn't violate any any of my you know ethos, if you will, that way. But after that hunt, I was reflecting on the fact that how easy was that for me to have never shot a crossbow and then just picked it up a few days before, and I went out during bow season and I shot a deer that I would not have shot with my re- with my normal equipment, and I shot him at fifty yards. Yes, I made a good clean kill. It, what it did was it, it it actually emphasized the primary beef I have with allowing crossbows during bow season, and I did it, and I did it legally, and and it, and it enabled me to hunt, and because I had this disability, right, and I and I enjoyed it for all that it was, but it really highlights the advantage of a crossbow.
0: That's a great story, Jim. That's a that's a great story. Congratulations on the book. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was interesting. I never in my life thought I'd shoot a deer with a crossbow ever. Yeah. And I did and I it, I took nothing away from the animal. I loved the experience. I enjoyed it, but it really gave me a lot to reflect on, honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's a that's a that's a great story. Um and you know, like sometimes things are happening in life that made you try things that you would thought you will never try and then you enjoy it or at least have like a, you know, some thoughts about it like you did. Yes. Um Jim, so I think you is It's a great moment now to kind of like a transition to another part of this conversation. You mentioned the word humane mm-hmm. uh, quite a few times. Yes, and obviously, well, obvious to me, uh, maybe to other people as well. This is one of the biggest um, arguments of the opponents of bow hunting, um, and you know, even on this podcast, I spoke with a few bow hunters, but I also spoke with veterinarians and. Uh, even accomplished hunters, rifle hunters who were expressing their, um, you know, various level of disapproval for bow hunting based on the um, how humane the, the shot is. And it seems to me like the the most common argument is that the uh, arrow is lacking the concussive power the con- concussive uh, effect on the on the animal where you have the the um effect where the water in the I it's it has a name that is eluding me right now which which has a uh, the the, the ba- basically the all the water in the body of the animal is disturbed and creates like a wave it's 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 called hydrophylactic shock or something like that yeah. so it doesn't have a concussive power therefore it is less humane and I You know, I think, and that was also confirmed by many people who says, like, well, why, you know, why in causing that concussion to the animal? How come you, you come to the conclusion that this is somehow more humane? If you can shoot an animal that, and we know those stars, you shoot an animal, an animal just, look what happened, and then comes back to grazing and then falls over, didn't even know what hit him. But then the argument is like, yeah, but how many shots like that really happens? It's one every now and then. And then again, fundamentally, it's an issue made. So once again, I would ask you to once again on this podcast, unpack this argument and how uh, how you feel about it. How does that um, sit in your opinion?
1: It's, it's a great question. It has some complexities and nuance to it but it's a great question and so i'm no uh doctor or surgeon right but what i do know is that uh having studied it is that a, a, an arrow kills through hemorrhage right like blood loss or lungs you know blood lo- you know it just kills by hemorrhage whereas a bullet kills by shock concussive power and, and damage to the material whatever it hits right and so I, I can only speak through but well, I'll only speak through experience here and that is to say I've shot you know quite a few deer with my bow and I've shot a fair number of deer with both a rifle and black powder and a shotgun slug. And I will say that uh, during all the years of bow hunting, I may have lost two or three deer that I hit that I didn't recover in all the years of bow hunting, right 35 years. Uh, and so, well, well, hey, wait a minute. That seems like, well, it is low. But it's because um, of the commitment to practice and be proficient and make sure the animal is close enough to make a clean shot and having the discipline to pass up anything that doesn't pass that litmus test of I'm going to make a clean shot on this animal, right? So I've had to pass up some really nice animals at 35, 40 yards with my recurve. i just not going to shoot them, right? Uh, because I thought I probably would have wounded them. And I probably would have at that distance with a recur. So the, the the animals that I've shot with my bow, I would say ballpark, 80% of them after I hit them, in some cases, well, they they died within 100 yards. The arrow went through them all the way, all the way through them. And then they ran off and I typically would see them fall or hear them fall within 100 yards, in some cases less. Because when you double lung an animal with a arrow and it goes all the way through them like you said they just they flinch especially if you don't hit a rib and i've had them go back to grazing and tip over in eight seconds if you hit a rib with your arrow and they feel that you know they'll they'll run for a while but they'll often stop after 30 or 40 yards and then that blood flow to their brain ceases because you've let the air out of their lungs and they die in less than 10 seconds like literally seven or eight seconds and if you look at them on film, that's about how long it takes with a rifle. Unless you shoot them right in the head or in the, you know, or in this, you know, even in the the spine, right? The animals I've shot with a rifle have uh, some of them have tipped over right where I shot them, but oftentimes you hit them and they run, even if they're hit well, because what kills them is that shock and ultimately that blood loss. But um, I would say that. I don't have any evidence, personal evidence, that would suggest that that killing him with a rifle is more humane than taking an animal with a bow, because that just hasn't been my experience. And when an animal is shot with a bow, oftentimes it's not that concussive bang, you know, that hits them and that bullet expands and explodes inside them. It just goes through. It must. It feels like a, you know, fly prick sometimes, right? Because they don't get spooked and all wild-eyed and run off. They'll run off. 30, 40, 50 yards and stop and then fall over. So any, anyway, I know that's it's a big topic out there, but in my experience, that just hasn't been the case if you apply the discipline to make a clean shot and don't take those marginal shots. And that's where the problem is. Guys pushing that envelope and they wound a lot more deer and that is a problem. I'm just calling that out.
0: Yeah, no, and, and, and you're right, because this is like the next argument that follows closely by, right? And just to finish off on the on the concussive power versus versus just, just uh you know sharp arrows cutting through the animal. I you know, like I feel like if I if I were a deer and I had to choose, I would I would always choose to be shot by the bow, <laughs> by the arrow, because like I don't I just I don't see the argument of the concussive power making it more humane. If the time it takes is roughly the same. You're actually saving the animal this extra concussive power and the, you know, sound of the gunshot and all these things. So but that's that's just my my comment on it. So let's talk about the difficulty because, like you said, this is an, another argument that cl- comes next that oh the guys are pushing the envelope. They're they're taking the shots that they have no business taking. My view on this is that. Well, there are people who are taking shots with a rifle that they have no business taking. Yes. So uh, it, it, that argument actually doesn't cut to me too much. But, the, you know, who am I? I'm, I live in a country that prohibits bow hunting. I never bow hunt, so <laughs> that's why I have you on the podcast to talk about these these things. But the argument then is that because of such a high degree of skill required, Bow hunters are putting a lot of effort into training, into honing their skill, into shooting arrows. Then compared to the rifle hunters, who I know, people who are just, you know, they they, they never own the range. They just shooting on the animals because it's so easy. You just putting it across her and bang. And then when they miss, they go on the range to zero the scope because oh, I'm just I just missed uh just missed the stock. And so then the level of training, you know, so in my head is like, you are equally likely to take a shot that you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be taking if you're, you know, this kind of person. But the bow hunter, by definition, at least should be way more skilled and trained because of the difficulty of it. Now, this is my, you know, borrowed opinions and what I think. I want to hear your opinion. Is is, is is there any truth to that? Is there are there any caveats to that? What I said, I think it's
1: a it's a fair it's a fair observation from from your perspective. In that, uh, knowing you know over the years, hundreds of bow hunters and many many gun hunters, um, most of the bow hunters I know, Tommy, are are are, are very committed to the sport. Right, because you know they enjoy archery. They shoot three D shoots. You know that they're that they around the area that they live in the three dimensional targets where they're set up at different ranges to test their skill. um, You know, estimate ranges and shoot and score. Um, And they're out here out west where I live in Oregon now. There's they they train physically, cardio because there's big hills, right, big mountains out here, and so they know they're going to have to be physically fit and to be able to execute a shot. So they're very committed. Uh, to the sport um, and therefore they really work on their proficiency with their weapon i know many gun hunters that are also very committed to shooting accurately and go to the range and would never go sh- hunting with a rifle without shooting in before exciting in beforehand but i know probably an equal or greater number that fall into the category you describe which is like oh it's you know, you've been to the range this year? Oh no, my 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 rifle was sighted in last year. I killed a nice buck with it. I'm good to go. Well, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you've pointed that out. And so they go out and they miss and I've had guys go, "Oh, go to the range and it's, you know, up up a foot off and they miss or worse, wound an animal because they didn't feel they needed to take the time because of the proficiency of a firearm." So I think what you characterize is reasonably true, but but in, with any sport especially blood sports that we're talking about here, just to be, you know, candid. Uh, there are folks that that endeavor to do it correctly and are really f- respectful about the animal and the sport and so on. And there are some smaller proportion that want to take the easy route, are willing to chance a long shot at an animal, even if they wound it in the event that they might take it, uh, you know, doing things that they shouldn't do. Um, and I think that that exists in any sport. But when you're talking about shooting animals, I think it, it's uh, it's really unfortunate that that can be the case. And the easier you make it, the, in my opinion, the more it invites casual, less committed folks. And that gets right back to the conversation we had on crossbows. And anything that makes it easy invites more people not willing to necessarily put the time in to say, oh, if it's that easy, I'll give it a try. And that to me is, is that rubs me the wrong way.
0: Yeah. They're more focused on the outcome rather than on the process.
1: Nailed it. You just nailed it. That's right.
0: What about the wounding rates? Wounding rates are higher with a bow. I think there's no, no questions about it or are they?
1: Well, it's all about shot placement, right? And so the opportunity to wound an animal with a bow is definitely there because just the angle of the animal, right? Like, if it's dead broadside and you shoot it right in the you know right behind the front leg, you'll take out both lungs. But if that animal's quartering to you, even slightly, fifteen degrees, same shot, you might hit one lung and miss the second lung. Right, that animal, a one lung hit animal, can run hundreds of yards. Right, and so you can wound them, um, and but but most are fatally wounded. Right like most are fatally wounded. So that's where skills of tracking, understanding animal behavior, where they where they typically go and their behavior after they're mortally wounded is really important. And you know, I take tremendous pride on my ability to track animals and I don't give up. I've tracked them for days uh and hours on my hands and knees and have a very very high recovery rate as a consequence. I don't give up if I don't see specks of blood. Like I'm following tracks, turned over leaves. I'm following directionally where I believe they're going to go. I understand my property. I know where they would likely to go. If they were one lunged and they were hit and they're going to go downhill, they're going to go toward water and they're going to go in thick cover. And I, I look there. So if you really work at it, you, re- you can recover a high, high percentage of any wounded animals. Um, and when they're not fatally wounded with a bow, right? It's just like a clean slice. They often recover like they often do i've killed many not many i've killed a handful of of deer that had a broadhead in their hip and they were fine right or they had a scar but they were fine so um there is a uh an opportunity to wound an animal no matter the weapon you use but as a bow hunter i i'm very committed to because they die by hemorrhage you follow blood right and uh, you can recover most animals if they're fatally hit, without doubt. Um, so I'll just I'll just leave it there. That's one of the reasons we talked about advancements in technology earlier. You know where do they make sense and where where do they maybe go against the rules of fair chase? Lighted knocks. You know what that is? It's the lighted knock on the back of an arrow. It lights up when you shoot it. Yeah, I know, but, but you
0: can explain to the to the listeners.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, the knock is the is the end of the arrow that attaches to your string, and it's made out of plastic. And today they offer those that are that light up when you shoot them. They light up like with a little LED light, like light green or light pink. So when you sh- release the arrow, you can see it fly and see it hit. And and I believe that's a good advancement in technology because the greater knowledge you have on where the arrow hit hit the animal, the better odds are you're going to recover it because you're going to know where you hit. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, when you have I for years shot broadheads that were traditional broadheads like the old bear broadhead where you where you actually it was like a razor but you had to sharpen it yourself so I'd sit there in front of the tv and sharpen it myself for hours till so I could cut hair off my whole arm would be bald because I'd use that as a test my left arm would be just completely bald get it going into both season because I was testing it right I'm like yeah if I can shave hair off my arm it's it's good it's 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 right but what I found is I tried one year the new mechanical broadheads, which fundamentally I was against, right? It's like, you know, it's another technological gimmick, right? But I tried and tested the mechanical broadheads uh, with a one and a half inch cutting radius. And the very first deer I shot with one, I, I shot them, you know, through both lungs and the blood trail was amazing. I mean it because of the cutting radius. If you kill by hemorrhage, the more cutting, the better. So my point is I'm in... I, I believe mechanical broadheads are beneficial to the animal because of the larger cut radius, quicker kills, easier recovery, because the blood trail is much more substantial.
0: For people who are listening to this, like mechanical broadhead is a broadhead, like the the blades of the broadhead opens on the contact with the animal. Yes, so that that improves the flight of the arrow, I guess, because it's, it 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 doesn't have the broadhead. With the with the blades on it, and it open and then because of that, it can open to much, like you said, larger extent, larger blades basically, which makes a bigger
1: cuts. So, so exactly, you explained it perfectly. So the arrow is much more likely to hit where you're aiming it, meaning a good clean kill. And when it hits and those blades open up, it makes a very large cutting radius, which then leads to a very very good blood trail. And that's what you want. You want to recover the animals you you hit, right? That's the key. So, those advancements in technology help recovery of animals, which I'm in favor of. Absolutely makes sense to me.
0: Makes sense. And and look, uh, we we people who are more interested in the you know details of technical details of all the elements of the bow and and arrow, we have an episode um, on the podcast. Also, it's called I think Sizzling Arrows. Where we go into great depths on all the types of arrows and things like that, um, so I just don't want to don't want to go into technicals on it um, because we have way more interesting things here to cover. Um, oh, one other things that you mentioned that I also heard earlier is that the wounded animals, the animals wounded with a with a as a result of the of a inaccurate bow shot, are more likely to recover, while the animals that are that are uh, wounded by a gunshot that's usually dead animal only it can take weeks or you know long time uh, so that's that's your you kind of confirm that uh, aspect of it. Uh-huh. okay so I just want to switch gears here uh, a little bit and talk about how long in on average how long it takes a person to practice with a bow before they get proficient um, in, enough to be able to go and execute a shot on a, at the animal. Having in mind that executing a shot at the animal is quite a different deal than executing a shot at the range because of the emotions and the buck fever and all those things. So I'm going with this thing here, uh, you know, like if anyone wants to try And, you know, maybe even the question is like, if people like myself or other who live in Ireland and the UK, they want to go hunting, they want to go bow hunting. And they they can go to Spain or to France or to Hungary or whatever, the place in Europe, or maybe even fly to the US to do this, you know, bow hunting experience. But they need to prepare. They cannot just, you know. How long it takes to become proficient, and what would be your advice to person, you know, like again, who lives in, in Europe and wants to prepare themselves for that sort of experience?
1: It starts with what equipment we're using. So I'm going to start with the most common, which is a compound bow. And when I say a compound bow, I'm going to assume that there's a a sight, a set of sight pins on the on the bow, bow sight, and a release, because that's the most common setup you see today. Okay. So my son is a good example because he just took up archery this year. We got him a bow, uh, set up the way I just described, and he became pretty proficient at the range in a matter of, let's say, four weeks, five weeks. Now he's going three, four times a week you know, he goes to the range, he's shooting at 20 yards, then he's extending it out to 30. But he's really focused, I tell him, just focus on your form, you know, meaning your release nice and smooth, no jerky, you know, just nice and smooth, focus on the fundamentals. And, you know, in, in four to six weeks, in when he last, he came up here, he was shooting a very tight group at 30 yards, meaning a tight, when I say a tight group, I'm talking about less than three inches. Okay. Like that big. So that's good. That's pretty impressive. And uh now the question is becomes well is he proficient enough to hunt at that point? No. And, and however, he's proficient enough to shoot accurately at a range. Then so that's let's call that six weeks. I think that's reasonable. You know, a couple of days a week, three days a week for six weeks, you can be pretty proficient with days it should, of it. It should
0: be expressed with with the hours on the range, right? Because like
1: six weeks again, but three times a week for six yeah. weeks. Yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, if you shoot two or three times a week, but you're shooting about, you know, 75 arrows a time, right? Uh, and you do that over a period of six weeks, the equipment is so good these days, you can get proficient at the range, okay? So in terms of elapsed time, I don't know how many hours that is, but it's not an inordinate amount of hours, right? It's reasonable. The next step before you would ever go hunting is you need to go out and shoot 3D targets at different angles, at unknown distances. That's the next step. So, right? Because when you know I'm shooting 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, even if you're shooting deer targets at an archery range, everything is controlled. Everything, you know the distance. The next step is to go shoot a 3D range where you're shooting at three-dimensional targets of, of deer or wild boar or elk or whatever they have as the targets, and you're shooting at different distances. So you might be shooting at 18 yards, 27 yards, 36 yards, whatever it is. And uh, you have to determine: Do you want to use a rangefinder, or do you want to estimate sight without a rangefinder? For all my years of hunting, I just I was able to estimate yardages without that. But uh, but I would recommend having a rangefinder to know. Right? There's nothing wrong with that because again, good clean kill. So if you spend another, let's say, four to six weeks elapsed time or whatever time you can spend, uh, shooting three dimensional targets unknown ranges at more realistic angles like you would in the field. That's the next step. So let's call that another four weeks or so. depends on how much time you can. Most of us work, so you can't do it every day. Um, And then the last step would be to make sure that those last few practice sessions, shooting three-dimensional targets, either in your yard or at a range, you're wearing the clothes you're going to hunt with, you're wearing gloves, Everything, face mask, or whatever you're going to wear, hunting you're wearing on the range, and you're shooting your actual broadhead, and you do that for a couple of weeks. Those are the th- phases. So if you think about that, you say, you know what? In you know, in in four or five months, over the period of a spring summer, could you be starting from zero? Could you be prepared and equipped if you put that time in to? Go hunting confidently and make a humane kill on a big game animal with a bow. I would say that's reasonable.
0: Oh, and I might say that that was um, that was shorter period of time that I thought, but again, it's very compressed effort because it's like a constant going, going, going. But so, in other words, like if you're if someone would like to go um, for you know bow hunting experience trip uh next year if they start today then by that time next year they should be more than able to go and execute humane shot at the animal
1: that's correct and and uh you know as a non-resident i believe you can apply for uh deer permits in the united states
0: yeah uh, i mean like you know this is one of those things if you want you can do it uh it's it's just i think very unfortunate that that we can't do it where we live you know like i i came into hunting and regular listeners of this podcast know this story i said it many times that you know i came to hunting very late in my life i was in the early 40s late late 30s for sure less than a decade and 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 i I was an angler and i wanted bow hunting you know obviously american shows and the tvs like oh i'm gonna i felt like i'm ready to graduate to hunting from fishing and I want to go with bow hunting because it was like so natural and like more like a fishing rod. You know, you have like a bendy and the element and then you have a, like a line and, and all these things. And they're like, ah, no, illegal. And I didn't even want to go into whole effort of getting like a firearm permit and all those things. And it turns out like, no, I have no choice. I had to do this. But this bow hunting thing, other than, you know, talking about it and educating people through the podcast, uh, it is in the back of my head. Uh I, I would definitely like to uh like to try it. Um to wrap this up, uh Jim, what would be like a foolproof advice for you arguments for people who are looking favorably at bow hunting and they find themselves um in the in the uh companion of other hunters, rifle hunters who are you know, usually don't have any experience with bow hunting and discussion starts about like, oh, you know, this is inhumane and should be like, what would be your like a foolproof advice, how to conduct that conversation and, and, uh, give the, give the fair representation
1: of bow hunting? It's an interesting question. I've never been asked that question. And I would say that as a bow hunter, if I was in the company of a, of, a, of a lot of gun hunters and they were, they were, uh, challenging the humaneness of my sport right is that what you're suggesting right yeah um my response would be that no matter the weapon you choose to use there are certain standards that that you have to and certain level of, of skills and commitment you have to put forth to ensure a humane kill whether it's a rifle or a bow or a crossbow or a muzzle loader there is a certain level of, of of commitment you have to make to become proficient and, and discipline you have to apply on what shot you will and won't take. And what I can say for myself and other bow hunters that I know that are as committed as I am is that we make quick, humane kills at a high, high rate, 95 plus percent of the time. Right. And another stat I would say is. I've only missed two or three deer in my entire life. Missed it completely. Because I just don't take long shots. I told you, 25 yards. I'm not going to miss a deer at 25 yards. Uh, the ones that I did, did miss went down a hill and went shot over their back. So I don't miss many. I know a lot of rifle hunters that have missed a lot of deer. Why? Because they're taking shots that they shouldn't take. Running animals, distances that they shouldn't. They're just taking a pot shot. right? So My sport is any not any more more or less humane than your method. If we apply the same level of commitment to knowing our weapon and understanding its limits and being disciplined about what shot we take, so let's let's go grab a beer. That would be my response.
0: It's a great response, and you know, like this is like funny things that, for example, some hunters in Europe, like in Germany and France, they they think like, oh, bow hunting is inhumane, but then they they shooting at running animals. It's like, ah. how that is humane like if hunting is inhumane and you're just shooting like a running deer and running, right but that's that's a, a completely separate uh, conversation and i just want to uh, end up with the with a story this year in 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 may was it was it in in april i was on a on a um symposium and like a cic event and i was talking with the with the old hunter from liechtenstein and we start and there was also people from the US and and the and the um not a hunter but the guy who is uh, really involved in conservation from the US was sitting at the table with us and and the topic uh, got into the bow hunting and you know we started talking bow hunting and I look at the guy from the liechtenstein and I say oh there we go right and then finally I goes like so tell me what you think about bow hunting you're you're against it you don't like it and this is like a hardcore, old school, European hunter. And he goes like, you know what? I was somewhere, I don't remember exactly where, and there was a bow hunter, and he shoot the deer. And I was shocked, in shock, how quickly that animal went down. So I am not against bow hunting. I'm, I'm fine with bow hunting. And I was like, yes, it's probably the first time I hear like a... Old school European rifle hunter who actually says like it's great like the animal like because he thought that you know animals hit by an arrow would be running but yeah whatever happens and he was he was shocked he couldn't believe how quickly that animal just just expired and it was it so that's a kind of like a confirmation and 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 maybe that is that once you see something and once you try it once you experience that firsthand then you are in a much better position to you know, offer opinions rather than just borrow an opinion and just repeat it without even, you know, experiencing um, anything yourself. Jim, uh, it's been great pleasure talking with you. I'm just wondering, do you have any any words of wisdom to all the hunters and otherwise who are listening to this podcast?
1: I do. I do. As I was thinking about where you started and your listeners, most of them don't have an opportunity to bow hunt because of where they live and the restrictions. And uh, I was thinking that what I wish and hope for all of your listeners who truly love the sport of hunting, I wish and hope that they all have an opportunity to bow hunt in their, in their hunting lifetimes and they and they make the commitment to do so because the level of intimacy and adrenaline and the feeling that you get when you get that close to an animal and harvest it on its terms and you had to fool it and, and, and make a good clean shot is a level of adrenaline and intimacy that I've never got. In all the years that I've gun hunting, and I've certainly had, you know, I've certainly taken many animals with my rifle, which I enjoy as well. It's just a completely different feel, and I hope that you and your listeners who are have the interest have that to make that opportunity for themselves happen. Absolutely, thanks very much, Jim. Okay, my pleasure. Good talking to you. Thank you for listening. If
0: you enjoy the podcast, please leave me five star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcast. This is great help for me and for the podcast. And while you're already there, don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the description of the show.